Welcome to Getting My Cheese Back on My Cracker. I am Ashley Nicole. And I'm Paige Benjamin of Atomic Travels. Thank you for joining us today as we have another great discussion on different aspects of mental health in our community coming right up after a word from our sponsors. Hey, it's Ashley Nicole. I appreciate y'all for listening and hopefully you're all getting your, keeping your cheeses on your crackers. I'm dropping in on this episode to give you some goodies. Have you been wanting to get into the podcast game and don't know where to start? I got you. I have answers. If you haven't already heard about Anchor by Spotify, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor has everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Let me say it again, um, in case you missed it. Everything that you need to make a podcast is conveniently in one place. And best of all, Anchor is free. Free 99, zero dollars, zero cents. So, go ahead Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started now. I can't wait to listen to your podcast too. Um, during this discussion, we will um we will have a we would like to discuss how gender plays a role in um the current events, um Black Lives Mo- uh, Matter movement, um the different things we discuss. I know um um the previous conversations in addition to being tired and then now we we have to deal with being the template for everything we have to deal with um having to work twice as hard for half the credit or all of those things um the superwoman complex and all of those different things what how do you feel um gender plays into that like you just jackie jacqueline jackie jacqueline which Jackie one is fine. <laughs> okay, I will make sure I get you right there. Um, Jackie's good. I like when you call me Jackie. Time out. Um, why you get to get her right, but I, I can't get right. I'm, so I'm, you, I'm not understanding. You said you didn't watch. Oh, yeah, because I like Nicholas. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Miss Jackie, oh, as far as like the difference of experiences outside of the police issue or the biases and things of that nature. Um, how do you, how else do you think gender plays a role in blackness, current events, things of that nature? That is a really wide question. It's a huge role. Gender plays a role in everything in racism and non-racism in life and like, and I was I was re-listening to ours, our talk, our first talk, and then um, listening to the guys talk and and just noting the differences in experiences and the differences in pressure and the differences in the way we relate. And and this whole idea of should should things be equal or or should things be equitable or like what's the right balance? And I think we all have very different um like very different percentages of what the right balance should be. Um, I, I am one of the women who is, yes, a feminist, but also 
believes in traditional etiquette and also traditional gender roles. I believe in those strongly. I also believe that there are ways that men's bodies are just built differently than our bodies, which makes it, which makes our experiences as well as our strengths very different. Um, and I think things can be equitable without being equal. I think we can be united without being the same. I think like there, there are things that can happen that are different per gender um, that we can use as benefits to each other rather than items that separate each other. And also in this fight for equality or this fight for anti-racism, our fights are different. Our physical fights are different. Our intellectual fights are different um, because we experience racism and we experience discrimination and prejudice very differently. Thank you. In terms of what those differences are, they're definitely unique to even the stream of um, complexions amongst our race. It's and we all have to find not this like black savior leader to lead, but all figure out what our particular role is as a man, as a woman, as a light skinned man, as a dark skinned man, as a light skinned woman, as a dark skinned woman, what our roles are in this struggle. And I think when we stop trying to diagnose everything as the same and really, really embrace what the differences are, I think we can we can move forward better in our progress for anti-racism. Okay. So I want to I want to bring up um, what Nick said during the last session, right? Um, you know, he said that black men are one of the biggest hurdles for our community. Um, I think that kind of falls on both sides, right? So I think to Jackie's point, um, and I think, and I don't want to towards the over masculinity, right? And in some cases, um, the men that don't step up to the plate of their roles and responsibilities. Um, Nick, I, I want to kind of expand on that because we didn't really get a chance to go a bit deeper. Um, when you're talking about we are our own hurdles, um, how does that relate to not just the men, but also the women? Um, so, I think at times we get caught up trying to prioritize what we think is right over maybe kind of, I guess, like what Jackie was saying, like embracing all of the issues that affect us as Black people holistically, right? Um, I say that from a space of, you know, talking to lots of black men and hearing commentary that makes me feel like rather than wanting equity and then equality, right? Like just wanting our just peace, right? That they want to be able to hold the same space as white men get to hold um, as it relates to power and what all they can do, can't do, who they feel like might be above or beneath them. Um, and I say them, but I mean us, because they are talking about uh, cisgendered, heterosexual black men, right? Um, and it gets hard because it's like, yo, the, the, the fight for queer black people is a fight for black people. The fight for black women is a fight for black people. 
the fight for black children, the fight for old black people, the fight for uh, black healthcare workers, black teachers, right? Like this is all a fight for black people, the fight for homeless folks. Like, I don't feel like we are not prioritizing something that's going to support us as a community if we can see other people in the same struggle that we're in, right? Um, and I think sometimes some black men want to separate these struggles. Um, I think that particularly affects black women because of the mind state that I feel like that comes from, right? Like the space, um, I feel like it's the same space that will allow black men to not feel like it's their responsibility to step up for or to defend um, a black woman if they see them being accosted in the street or some other black person because it doesn't have anything to do with them directly. Um, they're not affected, uh, affected directly and immediately. Um, and I think that that is what makes a hurdle for us because if we all can't move forward, if we all can't progress, then how can we say we have fought for black liberation? Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's hard. It's, it's hard. Cause I mean, I, I do think there are spaces that we need to hold. I do think that there are parts of the fight that are specifically designed for black men because of the fact that our body types are different or because of the fact that we have access to space that black women may not have, or that black children or that queer folks might not have. Right. Like, um, there, there's a, it's, it's particularly nuanced, but I think it's when we start thinking about it in that very selfish way where it's like, yo, this, this doesn't directly affect me. Like this is not, this don't, this don't got nothing to do with me, but it's got something to do with black folks and we need something better for all of us. Right. And so this is where I feel like we start to become a hurdle um, because I don't hear these conversations when I'm not largely, I won't say completely, but largely I don't hear these conversations with white women. I mean, with black women, Ooh, I don't talk to white women typically <laughs> um i talk to them at work they're they're okay but like you know my friend group but the people who i who i who i you know am you know what I'm saying building with um like i don't hear i don't hear this kind of kind of conversation with them um and it's not all black men don't don't get me wrong and that's and that's another part of the 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 fight right like if you know it's not all black men you don't got to talk about it not being all black men, you just acknowledge that there's an issue there and it's something that we need to address as a community so that as a, a diasporic community, we can all continue to move forward. So Paige and, and Tisa and Jackie, um, do you guys have any comments on that? I mean, he's, he, he encompassed a lot in, in what was said um, and I would really like to get you guys' point of view on that or your thoughts on that. Um, yeah, I want to talk about it kind of from the workplace standpoint, right? So I feel like when the Black woman speaks up in the workplace a lot of times, we are um, labeled as the angry Black woman. So Gabrielle Union and Terry Crews, prime example of what that looks like. And he really didn't come to her rescue until after the backlash, right? Um, and so I can say personal experience being in a workplace experiencing microaggressions and discriminations and you know the main black dude in the <laughs> in the um 
at the workplace, the one who would be saying so much behind the scenes, but when having that opportunity to speak up was either silent or more judgmental, like, well, why would you say something? Well, why would you do that? Why wouldn't I say something? Don't we have these conversations? And we gonna have the conversations in private. Shouldn't we talk about it? Shouldn't we say something? Um, and so for me, that was kind of frustrating, especially because he was a man who was married to a white woman. Right. So it was kind of like, I have so much to say about white people. And I would always say, well, do you talk to your wife about that? Like, do y'all have these conversations? And he would say, yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, he was just an example of, and don't get me wrong, like I'm not bashing him, but he was just an example of what it looks like when you try to straddle the fence like either you down for the people or you not down for the people like you could be there's such thing as being married outside of your race or dating outside of your race and still being pro-black like there is such thing but i feel like you need to stand in your truth so when the opportunities came for him to speak his voice if you know i'm being labeled as the angry black woman and they're looking at you to provide different perspective because you kind of got an end because you married to a white person i need you to advocate for me i need you to take up for me i don't need you to be quiet or timid when it's time for you to speak so for me that was very frustrating and i just felt like you know you're not my ally like we're not on the same team because when the opportunity comes i'm up here advocating for all of the black people that work here <laughs> including you but when your opportunity comes you're not even advocating for yourself so then it goes kind of back to that whole like you know as black women sometimes we feel unprotected and so I think that happens all too much in the workplace. It's like, okay, well, I'm kind of safe because I feel like there are places where, you know, black men are seen as a threat. But once they get into certain workspaces, it's like, oh, you have to jump through so many hoops to even get here. You're the exception. You're the one that passes a little bit. And I feel like a lot of, um, some of them don't want to rock the boat or say anything. So they're just quiet. And it's like, I get it. But at the end of the day, you have to speak up at some point. Even if you're not advocating for me, advocate for yourself. So I feel like that translates sometime outside of the workplace as well. You know, if you even look at the movement, a lot of Black women are out there, front lines, you know, saying something, speaking up, and you have a lot of men at home talking, but it's like, but what are you doing? It's time to get up and it's time to do. So I think um, as a woman, sometimes it's frustrating because it's like, we're in here fighting for us, and y'all, and we need y'all out here too. And for the ones who are fighting, I applaud you. Thank you. But we all need to be out there together. So that's that's kind of my my take on it. Um, for me, um, I agree with um what you were saying, um, Nicholas. Um, but collectively, I feel like um the black male voice is missing when it comes to the fight. And I say that um I feel like a strong positive black male voice um in a world of entertainment we have people like you know ti 50 cent boosie or whatever and they're our our image on the front street of what a black man is supposed to be and they're our voice not to say you know whatever but i feel like our men are so much more than that and we need a positive representation of what black men can be and should be you know like in the world what they're trying to do like you know we don't have people like John Lewis anymore, or Malcolm X, or Martin Luther King, or, you know, all these great men, like, we need a positive, strong, black male voice to represent, you know, who we are, and a lot of times, like, we look for the black man to step up and be, 
you know, the protector, the leader, and the provider, but for so long, like, I feel like our men have been silenced in so many ways, and so many of them are struggling to try to find their voice and be the men that we need them to be, and I feel like that's a lot of the problem, like, the male voice and a positive male representation is lacking horribly in this fight and in this struggle, because as Black women, like, we want, you know, men to step up and protect us and provide and do all those things, but a lot of them don't know how someone will complacent with not doing it or they only, you know, want to do it for the sake of clout is a word that, you know, that they like to use. Like, I'm only going to do it like shit. You see me, I'm out here, you know, I'm protesting. This is what it is. Like, you know, like, but what are you really doing? Like, don't just do it for the numbers. Don't do it for the likes. Don't do it for the followers. Like, do it because you really want to see a change in our community. Like, what are you really, you know, doing the fight for and I feel like that's a lot of the problem like the black men are still trying to find you know their identity I guess in this sense like trying to find whatever their role is in this and some people they're looking for looking to the wrong people as far as having that example they're looking for these entertainers and they are fucking lost as you could ever get but this is their guideline their you know their template of what should be because they're you know scared to be intellectuals and be smart because we've been teaching them you know like being an athlete and being an entertainer is the only way that you can be successful as a black man when that's not the case you know like our men are smart they're you know intelligent architects and doctors and lawyers like you can do all those things and still be great you don't have to be an athlete and an entertainer you can be in politics and still be great but we only identify men as you know, three ways, a criminal, entertainer, or a freaking athlete, and our men are so much more than that, so I feel like, as, you know, men, like, just have to find their voice and not be afraid to speak up and speak your truth, and a lot of men are scared to own their truth, regardless of what it is, because they're scared of being labeled, and I feel like once we debunk a whole lot of myths, like, it'll be, you know, a lot better. Um, I want to jump in and, and respectively or respectfully disagree with my sisters. Um, there are a lot of black men that are out here leading. The head of the NAACP is a male. The head of the National Action Network is male. The head of the National Urban League is male. The New York Urban League happens to be a female, but the National Urban League is a, is a black male, Mark Morial. Um, there are a lot of black male leaders out there um, but there are also a lot of different platforms. There are a lot of different places that we are. So here's the thing. In the movement of the 1960s, it looked a certain way because there wasn't a lot of media coverage. There wasn't a lot of, there wasn't any social media. There wasn't any Facebook, any IG, any things that we can access information in different ways and different, we can access information so many more ways than we could back in the 60s. We, we can organize in very different ways than we do in the 60s. Um, the maybe the platform some of the platforms that that our generation is looking at is very female focused and a lot of females black females as well as white females there are a lot if you look at the pictures between the 1960s and and the movement which they're coining the black lives matter movement now you look at those pictures there are more non-black people in those marches than there are black people everything is very different and i think if we look to what it was in the past or what leadership looked like in the past, then we are going to be disappointed because 
everything has evolved, but it has to, it has to evolve. We have to get more visibly involved. The women were always the steam behind the movement. Women were, and I think I mentioned this in the last discussion, women were always the steam behind the movement. So why now can't we be the visual face behind the movement? It's nothing, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And we can learn to partner with our brothers better. There's a, but we have a fundamental communication issue between black men and black women. So there's a lot of ways we can't, we, we, we can't have that like equitable space or even that, that, that space where you can see visible leadership in equal doses between male and female because we can't, we can't get our communication together. So I think we have a road to, we have a road, we have traumas to heal, we also have have work to do within our community, but we also have to break away some of the things that we hold on to of what leadership is and what the movement should be. Um, one of my professors from college called me and she, a white woman, born and raised in Erie, Pennsylvania, very, very white town. Um, she is, she has been a professor for, for many years and exists in a lifestyle of white privilege. And she, she said to me, what we need, Jackie, is a Martin Luther King. No, you don't get to dictate what kind of leader or what kind of reaction to discrimination and to just base, basic hate. You don't get to describe, you don't get to prescribe that. And I think a lot of us have that same issue. We are looking to ways that things have worked in the past or ways that we believe or we were trained that things should work to apply them to what we're going through today. And I think we have to challenge ourselves to be radical in our thinking about what our solutions are. Okay, and I do agree. Um, I understand where you're coming from, but I did wanna also point out um, when, when we're saying who should be leading and who who is leading, who we're seeing, I know that um, yes, women are mostly out there. Yes, men are the president and CEOs of different things. But to I want I know specifically Paige's point, we're both um, the marketing PR chairs at our respective Urban League chapters. Where when we have general body meetings, when we have events, is women and children and the men that are on the leadership board there aren't men showing up there the few men that do show up it's because some of us bring our boyfriends or our brothers or our nephews um and i do understand at the end of the day everybody needs to um to get active everybody needs to be a part of the movement everybody needs to um to do their part whether they're on the front line whether they're doing the computers or doing whatever it is that is their specialty, whatever it is that they're, that is their um, talent. But I do agree with you, um, Jackie, as far as when we're looking at leadership, we, we have to get out of the mindset that this is the way you lead. This is the way you take action, this particular way, and we're only following this person, that person, or that person. So I agree with all of my sisters here today. Can I just so, say something? Oh, I'm go sorry. Ahead, no, 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 um, go ahead. I was gonna say like, cause <laughs> I agree with what you're saying, but I think like 
I guess our difference of opinion, it kind of reflects a lot of like what goes on in conversation within the black community. Like sometimes we hear things, but we only hear like with the filter or the intentions of, you know, things to kind of suit whatever our opinions are. Cause like whenever I asked the, when I answered the question, I was answering it from the perspective of Paige, um, as far as Nicholas's response, as far as black men and the hurdles, like it wasn't to discount like, you know, like what women are doing in the movement, what they have ever done in the movement or anything like that. But like sometimes like when we speaking like, is to be, you know, like a defense mechanism Well, women, we've always done this, like, we know, like, that's solidified, like, nobody is negating, you know, any of that, but sometimes in conversation, we, when we hear things, like, we hear, but we also hear it with the filter of, like, okay, well, let me kind of, like, get my rebuttal, or let me just bring this to the point when, you know, like, it wasn't to bring that, it was just to address, like, that question, in particular, and the question at hand was to talk about, you know, the black men being the hurdles, you know, within this fight, like, it's not to negate that, you know, women really are out here doing great things, and there are people, you know, like, out here, like, as far as the, um, the Urban League, I think the things that you were mentioned, but also in that same notion, like, a lot of people don't know anything about any of those resources or what's going on, so instead of trying to compare or compete, like, this is what this person, this is what this doing, like, we can just educate, like, okay, this is what's going on, but I feel like in conversation sometimes, like, in trying to express our opinions, sometimes it kind of seems like we're clashing or, or competing or trying to debunk, you know, something else within the conversation. So, so Tisa, I, I really appreciate that. Um, I, I think, um, you know, this, what you're trying to bring up is the concept of active listening, right? Um, I think a lot of the times we may, um, we all fall short of this sometimes, right? Um, we listen to respond and not necessarily um, listen to hear what the other person is saying. Um, I don't think Jacqueline's response was necessarily um, in rebuttal to your statement or to Paige's statement. Um, I think it was more so just to express um, her opinion on the overall subject of gender roles um, in the community. So I just wanted to make sure that I, I cleared that up um, so that there wasn't a, um, a thought that it was a us versus them or me versus um, them. Um, and, and once again, I think the purpose of this is to make sure that we have um, a lot of open minds willing to have that conversation because these aren't conversations we're all comfortable having, um, especially when we know we have the unpopular opinion on things, right? Um, and so this is, this is exactly what Ashley and I wanted this to be, is not in a, a greeting fest, right? Um, we want people to actively express their thoughts on these different subjects. And I think you all did that um, greatly. Um, I want to go to the next question in this segment, which you all answered um, amazingly um, and scary at the same time, right? Um, as a Black person in America, do you feel protected, right? Um, and um, during this segment is really around um, gender, but we have both genders on the line, right? And I want to make sure that um, I, I bring a couple things. And um, one of the things that was stated, um, I believe, by Tisa is that you know, for the black man to feel to feel protected or to have a safe space, we need to be his peace, right? And then on the other side, um, Stephanie <laughs> Stephanie was like. Um, we sometimes got to let men fall and learn their lessons, and we don't have to be everyone's peace. 
Um, in addition to that, Jack, Jackie had mentioned, you know what, um, sometimes um, in order, everyone can't be everyone's peace. You know, um, you have to come into the situation with um, equal respect, equal um, investments, right? Because um, what's the point of, um, I think, to um, lack of a better term, I, I, I'm, think, I'm not sure if it was Paige, you know, pouring out of an empty cup, right? If no one's helping fill your cup, how are you constantly giving out? So um, I know I said a lot, but um, in, 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 in that sense, you're, you're fading to black or you're fading to red. Um, Dev, um, you know, about the conversation um, on feeling safe, you know, um, if you've watched both episodes um, from your perspective as a, uh, um, and I'm gonna go from Dev to Paige, right? Um, from perspective of professionals, um, you know, what were your thoughts on seeing both perspectives on feeling safe in America, right? Um, whether it be a black man, black woman, heterosexual, or or other, you know what I mean? What what are your thoughts, and you know, how do you see yourself even being able to bring a person to a place of feeling safe? Because is your your job is to lack of a better term, fix us, right? Um, or get us to a place where we can find our new normal. Okay, so it's a, 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 lot, to, a lot to process because again, trying, cause I'm trying to make sure I get all the questions because I don't want to miss one. Well, um, uh, we'll, we'll keep this one simple, right? So um, which one, as, which as one, the, yeah. The most important one is really as, as a professional, right? Mm -hmm. Having heard both sides. Um, how do you deal with trying to help um, people find their new normal, right? Um, not to say what they're going through isn't normal, but getting them past what they've always been going through, right? The traumas, how to get them outside with the normal of living life through trauma versus living life with less trauma or thinking outside of that, right? How do you help them get to their new normal knowing all that is going on? That's the primary question. Okay, okay. Um, so with, with that, so a lot of the work that you do is just acceptance, right? And acceptance and living in the right now, right? Um, because a lot of folks, when you're not, when you're not feeling safe, you're, so let's think about like PTSD, you having like a lot of flashbacks or just trauma and any type of traumatic event in general, like you're having a lot of flashbacks and you're thinking about the event that caused said trauma, right? Um, and then something that triggers you. Um, you re-experience that trauma, right? So you do kind of want to normalize it in the sense of not necessarily what happened to you or the event that happened is normal, but how you're feeling and your response to it is a normal thing. Um, because you're having, like, people like feel like, oh, I feel crazy, I feel this, I feel that. Well, well yeah, it makes sense that you feel crazy because you just witnessed someone get murdered on television on loop for uh, the last three weeks right um so seeing that isn't a normal thing so having a reaction to that um that feels out of the normal is normal if that makes sense right um so getting people to understand that your feelings are valid right feeling unsafe in certain situations it makes sense right given this given whatever circumstances right 
so first you want to validate people's feelings and help them understand what they're feeling is valid and you know there's other ways to handle what you can do so in that same vein you want to focus on things that you can control right um, because once you focus on things that are outside of you that's when things get uh, really messy right and then that's when you start having a lot of anxiety and and depression because like oh my god i feel helpless i feel this i feel that i feel that it's like okay well all these things are outside of you what are some things that you can't control okay you can get up and you can take a shower like that's something that you can do um like little small things that you can do versus worrying about what someone else is doing um so you want to validate feelings uh help with acceptance about the situation um accept where you are right now um, focus on what you can control um, and then find ways to respond better so there's always a better way to respond no matter what the situation um, even if you found a really good way there could be a way that's a little bit better um, so and just kind of like figuring out what that is for you like what that looks like for you um, so like let's say you Let's say, so some people who have like maladaptive responses to uh, things, so maladaptive meaning like things are bad, right? Bad for us. Um, so like you feel stressed out, you do this for a lot of folks, a lot of folks in our community, they turn to substances, right? So you get weed, you get you get some drink, you get some handy, some uncle nearest, cause you know, it's black owned. Um, and you know, like you, you kind of like self-medicate um to like numb the pain that you're feeling or numb the anxiety like man i'm stressed out let me hit let me hit this smoke real quick but it's like all right so that's a behavior not necessarily the best behavior not saying that it's wrong but it's not necessarily the best thing for you right because there's other factors in it right it costs money it does all these things so let's work on something that's free and a little healthier for you right so just focus on your breathing right because when you're outside of the chemicals of um like let's because I'm gonna stick with smoking. Um, so outside of the chemicals that come into your body with that, the actual action that you're doing is just breathing, right? So if you take out the weed or you take out the cigarettes for people who smoke cigarettes too, like the simple inhale, exhale, that's all you're doing, and is re naturally relaxing your nervous system, right? So, so that's something that you can control. That's something that is free, and it's something that doesn't cost anything. Like I said, it doesn't cost anything to do. Doesn't cost any time to do it. Um, and just doing that, taking a few deep breaths uh, can kind of get you um, in a better space. So doing, giving people different tools to, to handle their trauma. I hope I answered all your questions. Yes, you did. I mean, okay. it's, it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, as we get to different questions, um, you know, uh, um, Latasha mentioned earlier in previous episodes, some of the things that we're talking about could be triggering people, right? Mm -hmm. Being stopped by the police, um, the multitudes of microaggressions that at, uh, occur at work, at the workplace, um, you know, being passed on for either a white person, uh, white male in a lot of cases, um, and, you know, not being able to um, find a ways to deal with what happens when um, I, I go into these episodes of feeling crazy, lack of a better term, right? Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think that's a term that's used against us um, to, to make us feel lesser than um, when we're dealing with our own emotions the, way we, the only ways we know how. Um, mm -hmm. 
and I want to go over the page. Um, you know, once again, as a um, as a person that helps redirect people in crisis, right? Um, you know, your primary goal is to be an advocate for mental health support. Um, you know, getting people to help because um, I, I think one of the dopest things that you kind of brought up in, in our last session was getting the Christian community involved, right? Um, that is now their new normal, whereas it's been, an, it's been a, a running issue in our community for a long time. So, you know, your approach towards that, you know, proves that it is possible once you get the right people involved. Um, so, so with that said, like, how do you help guide people to finding their new norms when they're going through issues of um, uh, um, having to be stuck with their thoughts during the pandemic, having to experience um, a racial uprise um, during a pandemic, um, dealing with their emotions. I mean, I know some people um, take certain scenarios deeper to heart than others. And, you know, it takes them over, just over. Um, how do you kind of help calm them down as, as much as you can and kind of redirect them towards a professional that can kind of, you know, complete the process? Um, as crazy as it sounds, I think the easiest thing is really listening um, and having the right words, because that's the thing, mm -hmm. right? So I think people try to tell us all the time when they're not okay, but we often don't have the right words. Oftentimes, our response is, child, you'll be okay. Go lay down. Go do this. Go do that. And I think that in itself causes people to shut down and be like, well, I can't talk to you. And because we are in a pandemic, because we are in this space, people feel like, well, if I'm telling you how I feel, I'm dumping. So I'm dumping my problems on you. So one thing is creating a safe space to say, hey, you know, I'm here. You can talk to me. You're not crazy. You're just not okay. And it's okay not to be okay. So really just kind of changing the words and not saying crazy, um, just making it. And, and then also, I think putting my personal experience and say, you know, as much as you think I am X, Y, Z, right? I'm not okay all the time. I'm always, I'm like, I'm always two minutes uh, from a breakdown. Y'all have no idea, you know? So using things like humor, um, not to not to make fun of them, but just changing, just redirecting um, the conversation, making them feel comfortable, being that safe space. Um, it really helps to calm people down when they know that I can talk to you without judgment. Um, so it's all about how you respond when they're talking to you, even if it's the most outlandish thing is being aware of your facial expressions, your body language. Um, so that's one of the things that we teach in the mental health first aid training is just first being an active listener without being offensive. <laughs> like that's the first thing. And, you know, making that person feel like they're the most important person in this moment because they are, because their life is at stake in this moment. So really just showing, um, just giving that reassurance, I think it's the easiest thing. And then, you know, as you talk and listen and help them strategize and start to lighten the mood, then you can kind of say, okay, so what are some things that you've done when you find yourself in this place? Okay, has that worked? Who have you, who has helped you before? So kind of coming up with a resource list and then kind of going further. So exercise works, okay, cool. This works, this works. And then I always say, you know, have you tried talking to a professional? 
pill and then kind of go from there and then talking about you know my personal experience with talking to a professional um because it's really just a, a a conversation the more you personalize it the less they feel like somebody's trying to pathologize them so when it's like oh i'm just talking to a friend and you know i'm sharing things with them they're sharing things with me it really helps to calm them down and just get um just really start talking without feeling judged and then you kind of start just putting that all you know well you know have you tried um seeing someone if they're you know employed hey you know there's um eap employee assistance programs where you can actually go see someone for free you know it doesn't hurt to try it out at least if it doesn't work it's not coming out of your pocket it's a benefit that's afforded to you and talk about the importance of you know, that therapist being there to, for you to dump their problem, your problems on them, like that's their job. So you don't feel like you're overwhelming a family friend or something like they're there for you to put all your problems out there. And I think as you start to normalize, like I start, I really try to normalize therapy. And I talk about all the therapists that, you know, I'm friends with and how cool they are. And, you know, even if I have to like, like, let's go look at their Facebook page, you can see some of the cool things that they're doing. Because I think people are afraid of therapy, because their image of therapy is laying on somebody's couch, just pouring out their heart and soul. And somebody just behind, you know, a notebook and in the notebook, they doing a crossword puzzle. They're not really paying attention to you. So to know like, hey, there's therapists that look like you. Like I know one guy, um, he's a therapist and he loves hip hop. And he always talks about how like, you know, people misjudge him and be like, you listen to hip hop? He's like, I'm a huge hip hop fan. You know, so to know like, hey, my therapist is just like me. We can talk about Tupac. We can talk about Biggie. I think the more that you normalize that, it really helps people to come down because of what, what they're thinking about therapy. They automatically think somebody's going to try to medicalize them. And I said like, you know, even in my own therapy, nobody's ever suggested medication so even just given that education of the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist and lmhc um that just really helps calm people so it's really just one educating yourself and knowing and being able to facilitate that conversation and as simple as that sounds i mean it really <laughs> does wonders for people because it creates a safe space for them and you're not just um, like, like Devin was saying, you're validating their feelings. Like, that's the most important thing is saying, you know, it's okay not to be okay. Thank you very much. And so I, I really want to wrap this up um, with, um, you know, we had three, three, maybe four primary questions during this section. Um, you know, do you feel safe in America, right? Um, as a Black person, do you feel safe, you know, um, when you leave the house? Um, do you feel safe amongst one, one another, right? Um, you know, we, we brought up the fact that um, men should be protecting women, and we realize more than, more than we want to admit as men that women, is always, women have always been there to protect us, right? Um, they've always been our safety net in one shape, or form, one shape form or another, um, whether it's saying duck, um, or just being able to let you come home because things just haven't been going right. Um, and we, we've, we've acknowledged that as men, we need to practice more um, mindful actions towards women and not just towards women, but towards everyone. Because as Nick stated, 
sometimes in some scenarios, we are our worst enemies. Um, and being able to get past that um, is being able to see beyond the person, being able to see us as, um, as beings that are, for the most part, trying to get to the same place. We're all trying to be happy. We're all trying to be at a place in which we can feel safe. Um, and I know for some people, they, they don't know if they'll ever feel that. Um, but we do want that. We want that for our people. And this is why Ashley and I wanted to make sure that we did this because having this conversation, having both um, groups on one panel, we really want y'all to have the conversation with each other, right? Um, you know, and, and kind of like challenge one another, make sure that we're keeping each other honest. And I think we've been able to do that. Um, and it's, it hasn't been a, an agreement fest, you know what I mean? So with that said, um, I want to move on to the next segment. As we sign off, we want to remind you that it's okay to not have your cheese on your cracker and that we're here to work towards getting there together.